Hi, welcome to the Cabot Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Maddie, and I use they, them pronouns. I'm Carter, and I also use they, them pronouns. So what we read this week um, on the second episode was up to later on Sunday on October 12th. This is part two of four of our split of the Princess Diaries book. To catch you up about what we read in the first section of the book, we met Mia Thermopolis, who is a New York City teen whose biggest problem seemed to be that her mom was dating her algebra teacher and that her cat likes swallowing socks, which to be fair is a pretty huge problem. Okay, can we like talk about that for a second? Like, the amount, like that cat would have had to go into surgery. That wouldn't have passed. Yeah, no, I think at some point she mentions that the surgery was, like, $600 or something, like... Which which I almost argue that it's a bigger problem than her real problem. Yeah, true. Do you want to tell us a bit about um, her real problem? <laughs> so, her real problem is that she finds out that she's the princess of a small European country called Genovia. Which, like, while a genuine lots of responsibility and a forced into a um big role at a very young age is not um quite the same problem as almost killing your cat (laughs) so like what does this mean for her how is she going to tell her best friend lily how is she going to join greenpeace now but on the plus side princesses totally don't need to know algebra right carter um i had a book when I was in the third grade, because I was very bad at math, called Everyone Needs to Know Math. Um, and that book taught me that everyone needs to know math, needs to know math, um, at least according to the people who write the American Girl doll books about life. Um, well, that's who I get my life advice from, so. <laughs> Personally, I haven't used math in years. <laughs> I think as a, as a princess, you need to at least know, like, about money or I guess you could hire people to figure that out for you like you need to know economics but that's different than algebra yeah true princesses don't need to know algebra you heard it here first yep and this has been um what princesses need to know with your hosts Maddie and Carter (laughs) (laughs) all right let's talk about what we actually read this week let's like jump on in let's go (laughs) yeah Let's talk about something a little serious first. Um, Let's talk about Maya and her um, wrongfully imprisoned son and how that was really just very glossed over. Yeah, no, at the very beginning of this section, they just very casually mentioned that Lily Moskovitz's family's maid, Maya, is writing a letter to plead for the release of her wrongfully imprisoned son, which is like a buck wild thing to just very casually mention and not go into further details for and also I feel is very indicative of what this book does a lot is kind of mention issues and mention like things that you feel like shouldn't really be glossed over but are which I don't think is necessarily Cabot, like, wait, we're on a first name basis with Meg now. Oh, are we? <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Okay, <laughs> that's what we decided. Um, Meg, who we who doesn't know we exist. Um, <laughs> yeah, Meg, we love you. Come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think this is a fault of Meg's writing. I think it's very 
what being in middle school and kind of like trying to inter learn how to interact with the world and hearing about these serious issues is like a lot of the time. Yeah, I really think it also reflects the privilege that Lily and Mia are in at the time because they are, um, despite Mia's mother maybe being like a single mother in New York, she lives a very privileged life and so does Lily. Um, and especially now being a princess, she's extra privileged. And I think this kind of yeah. reflects the like lack of privilege that exists in New York too. Um, but also, uh, if you've ever seen the show Gossip Girl... <laughs> Uh, they, Good start. Yeah, uh, the entire TV show is about these privileged white kids. And you kind of think for a second, like, New York's not really like that. These Upper East Siders are just so full of themselves. They're so full of so much drama and, like, rich people problems. Like, no one's really like that, though, because New York's full of people who, like, for the most part, aren't that rich and aren't like that. But then you move to New York and you meet Upper East Siders and you realize that Gossip Girl wasn't too far off. And that's where um, Mia and Lily border in some cases, especially now that um, Mia's going to be a princess. She starts to fall on the extra privilege side. And so therefore, these little background things are only background noise to the drama going on in their life. A really interesting example, in my opinion, of the ways that these are very privileged people and the ways that they're grappling with serious issues are not the most nuanced is that Lily gets very dead set on quote-unquote quote, quote exposing their local deli for quote-unquote racism, which is giving five cents off to other Asian people. Which isn't racism. No, that's not. Truly isn't. I, I I know this is really hard for some white people to um, accept and hear. And um, that's your own biases that you've got to deal with. Um, but reverse racism doesn't exist. So. And it doesn't. <laughs> and at least trying to almost claim it without the words. Yeah. Five cents off to other Asian people does not make discrimination. No, um, that's an inconvenience. I actually recently saw a post on Twitter, which is by someone, like, all credit to whoever, whoever said this, but people are confusing, especially right now, in the middle of all of this, confusing the difference between discrimination and mild inconvenience. Yeah. And, um, fun fact, that is a mild inconvenience, not discrimination. No, it is not a structural problem. problem. Yep. Yes, exactly. Okay, um, also, I have a lot. I have, like, a bone to pick with Lily a little bit. Like, listen, she, as we discussed before, definitely some sort of queer. Some sort of queer coding's happening here, and we aren't confident what Lily's label is, but we do know <laughs> that there's some sort of queer happening. But also, at the same time, she can, she's really digging into Mia's self-esteem and I think that that was really getting to me in this section so there's a moment yeah. where um Lily's kind of going after Mia and like oh god I have to look up what this is so there's a moment after the makeover which we will talk about a little bit later in this podcast um but 
Lily goes after every little detail about Mia and particularly um, over Mia say, not being able to say no to people. There's this pushiness to Lily that's happening that I think is really harmful, especially to Mia, who does have like a like lower self-esteem um, and a lower view um, of herself. And she really goes into this like idea that Mia can't say no to people. And that that's somehow inherently wrong, um, which I mean, like being being able to say no is like can be bad and wrong, but like having it pointed out by your best friend and being criticized because you couldn't say no to people, even though the person that you were saying no to is Lily, is an issue, um, and didn't really sit right with me. Yeah, it's definitely a situation where Lily doesn't. It's not that Lily wants Mia to be able to stand up for herself. It's that Lily wants Mia to listen to her. Lily has this perception that she's always right, especially um, with all of her um, armchair diagnosis, as we have been calling it. Um, Yeah. I mean, her TV show is literally called Lily Tells It Like It Is. Like, she... Her confidence is admirable, but also she kind of needs to listen to other people. She needs to let other people have a say and have a voice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's really where I've been having issues with Lily lately. Um, I still love her and adore her and 100% recognize that I am the Lily to someone else's Mia. Um, <laughs> if, listen... If I were to be a percentage of one of them, I'm probably more Lily than I am Mia. What about you? Oh, I am absolutely Mia. Yeah. So I'm the Lily to Maddie's Mia. (laughs) You know, this is true. (laughs) And I'm sorry. And I do not mean that in a bad way. I adore Carter more than anything. Yeah. It's just how it is. (laughs) Yeah. Carter tells it like it is. I do. Welcome to my podcast. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast. Carter tells it like it is. Within a podcast, <laughs> Carter tells it like it is. That should be what we name every segment where you're like, well, this was yikes-ish. Is yeah, my... <laughs> you call, you calling out stuff in this book is Carter tells it like it is. <laughs> every time I call out any like racist, um, homophobic... Um, any xenophobic, any, um, systematical issues. <laughs> That's me. It's Carter tells it like it is. I love this. <laughs> anyway, back to Lily. <laughs> On the topic of Lily, I feel like her storyline and her characterization is another thing that these books get really right about telling the story of teenagers Like, one of my favorite things about these books is that they feel very, the voice feels very authentic, and the issues that they deal with in a lot of ways feel very authentic. And Mia struggling to be able to stand up to her best friend is an experience that so many people have in high school. It's, I feel like these stories just continue to feel very authentic to me. I definitely agree, and I think that's probably, as we talked about before in the behind the scenes bit from the last episode, um, the way Cabot used, I'm sorry, Meg, as we are on a first name basis, the way Meg used her um, 
old diaries as the format and as like a reference for these books also I think helps. She wrote as a teenager about being yeah. a teenager. She's going to hear the voice of herself as that teenager. And that's I think really an asset to these books. Absolutely. The ways that both Mia and Lily are very dramatic also feels very authentic in a way that also makes me very happy. Um, at some point, Lily threatens to call the ACLU on her parents because they won't let her record her television show. Which, like, okay, do you remember being a kid and being like, my First Amendment right says I have yeah. freedom of speech and therefore, like, everything you do, you'd be like, you could, like, say a bad word and you'd be like to your parents, I have freedom of speech. And then they'd, like, you know, get really mad. And so therefore, um, you no longer had freedom of speech because you were scared. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoops, we got into parental yeah. trauma, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> You're right, though. Um. <laughs> but it's like a thing also in school I remember kids being like I have freedom of speech I can say whatever I want and teachers being like well actually in school you don't and that's like a thing like you don't have freedom of speech in school that's not a thing um yeah no this is back a conversation topic but on the topic of Lily's entre diagnoses she at some point says that everyone who wears the color purple has BPD, right? That's what she says? Yeah, it is. Um, which, which, like, oh my god, Lily, what? <laughs> which, like, she's pulling from the fact that historically purple is a royal color, which is very funny um, to put that in here with this whole royalty concept, and I think that's really interesting. But on another note, have you seen the TikTok about purple? No. So there's this TikTok where someone talks about everyone has a favorite color, right? But people who like the color purple, it's their whole lives, their whole wardrobe. It's everything. It's their shoes. It's their shirts. It's their stapler. It's their everything. And um, it's all these people using that sound and showing off like their entire purple bedrooms. And so she calls them purple people. And it's just very funny. I love that. Um, so circling back to Mia from Lily, um, Mia has a very uh, short-sighted plan for Lily. Do you want to summarize that, Maddie? Yeah. Mia decides that she's just never going to tell her best friend that she's the princess of a European country. Just is never going to come up. Which, like, if Lily ever decided to, I don't know, Google her best friend, it might come up or something. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe. Yeah. It's just extremely funny to me that Mia thinks that this is a viable plan. Like, it's not gonna work. I... No. At some point, you're gonna want your best friend by your side, especially with something this big. At some point, you're gonna have to move to Genovia. Like, do you just plan on just, like, ghosting yeah. her? Like, what's the plan? <laughs> She's gonna notice. Oh. Mia has kind of a trend in this section of making plans that are maybe not the wisest though because she does find out from top secret insider info from her algebra teacher slash mom's boyfriend that she's going to be having a pop quiz and then what she does is decide to cheat on the quiz and then immediately realize that she herself cannot ever cheat on a quiz and panics about it all night she tries to throw her shoes in the trash. 
Um, because she... Just throw them out. Wait, I need to explain that. Let me back up. So she writes to Chi. She writes the equation on her shoe and then proceeds, because she feels bad about it, to try to throw her shoes away in the bathroom trash can. And I just want to know what it would be like to be someone in the bathroom at that time. (laughs) Just watching this girl wash her (laughs) shoes and then freak out and throw them in the trash can. When you just went and peed and saw her washing her shoes, came out, and she's stuffing them in the trash can. And you're like... I just, I just wanted to go to the bathroom. That's all I wanted to do today. I don't, is she okay? (laughs) (laughs) She Uh also devolves into when she's like, oh no, cheating. I can't be caught cheating. She goes, I will never get into Greenpeace. And then she goes, does Genovia still behead people? (laughs) Which like, that's the kind of spiraling that happens with anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I can't believe Lily has no armchair diagnosed Mia with anxiety because that's the that, true thing. That would be the correct diagnosis. That's the diagnosis the Moscovitzes are trying to get at secretly. True. Um, <laughs> did you ever cheat in school? No, absolutely not. I was very much like Mia, only more so in that the concept of breaking a rule even a little bit terrified me. And I would have been, I was scandalized when I first read this as a kid. I remember specifically being like, she's going to cheat? What is wrong with her? (laughs) That's very you. Yeah. Did you ever cheat? Um, so, (laughs) I very much believed that um, cheating was okay under the right circumstances. Yeah. If, for example, um, I believed that the teacher was in the wrong for whatever was on the test or requiring us to do something that I thought was incorrect and too hard or not beneficial to us in the long run, um, I believe cheating was okay. For example, memorizing an equation like that one, um, and I would write the equation inside of a pencil eraser, like the long, big racers, and like you write the equation on it Mm. and just flip it over before the test, and when I needed it, I flipped it up. But the thing is, when I did that, I somehow knew it better because I was in a long, very um, abstract way studying. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. You tricked yourself to study. You played yourself. (laughs) Because by writing it down, I memorized it because I like wrote it down on the pencil and then it was in my head on not on the pencil, on the eraser. But yeah. Amazing. Let me just do a really fun... um, segue here um children don't cheat in school it's bad um academic plagiarism is bad that's actually very bad don't do that one that one i will never be okay with um but um don't cheat on tests is bad even if you're bad at math and the teacher is very wrong for requiring you to do something and being extremely unfair and unreasonable even though you try to talk them into being the reasonable solution because you have the reasonable solution and you're telling it like it is like lily um regardless don't do this Agreed. <laughs> it's been my psa know what lessons it might be more acceptable to cheat at though what princess lessons Princess lessons are definitely okay to cheat at because you know who's in charge of princess lessons? Who? Just grandmare. And I don't mean to be rude, but your grandmare is not going to get you in trouble for cheating. No. At least she shouldn't. She's your grandmother. So when Mia goes, oh no, here she she's here, 
it's back to that Mia, like, dramatic moment. Um, so Grand Mare shows up in this section. What happens in um, the whole everything with Grand Mare is that she comes in, she goes, hey, I'm going to teach you how to be a princess. This is princess time now. Um, and <laughs> basically asks her to change up her style, change up her looks. She changes up her beauty routine, changing up etiquette, changing up all this other stuff that we haven't gotten to yet, but we will in the next episode. Um, but particularly in this episode, we do really get to meet Grandmare, which is a very exciting moment, personally. Yeah, she's quite the character. While I was reading this, I had this thought going through my head that Siske Whiteman would love Grandmare. She would be considered an icon right up there with Lady Gaga, um, who else is also an icon to Siske Whiteman. Um, Meryl Streep. Mm. Um... Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah. I can't name any more right now. Um, but yeah. I who do the cis gays like? That That's who they like. <laughs> I guess that's it. Yeah. Um, but they'd also love Grand Mare. Um, oh, absolutely. And her personality, her attitude. They just, they'd call her an icon. They'd call her a queen because she quite literally almost is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's just. I just thought it was something very funny, but there is a moment in here that does deal with gay people that I think is kind of cool. True. We did it. Gay people exist in the Princess Diaries. We made it, kids. That's it. It's us. We're here. So Mia says that Grandmare would be horrified in New York City because gay people kiss on the streets. Which, like, that's framing Grandmare as trans... Uh, tran- Ooh, wow. <laughs> so that's framing <laughs> Grandmare as homophobic. Which, um, I am going to argue that Grandmare is with the gays because she does call Princess Diana a twink when Princess Diana is one of um, Mia's yeah. iconic <laughs> women. First of all, why? Second of all, how does Grandmare know what a twink is? How did she get here? I'm telling you, Grandmare's secretly just like, she's like this hard outside, but when it comes to cis gay men, she's like, yes, yes, queen. (laughs) (laughs) A couple other things that I just want to fly off while we're still talking some generalities about the book. Um, So... Mia has a very teenish view um, about the world and about herself and um, her self-worth. Um, she says it's um, she puts her worth in being asked out and worth in being seen by others um, as appealing. So on page 63, she says, on page 63, she says, too flat-chested to ever be asked out on a date. And while, like, can't relate, um... <laughs> can relate can't be asked out can't relate too flat-chested god i wish um she just kind of puts her entire self-esteem on the line there and i think that's both very teenager and very mia i feel like that goes back to these books feeling very true to the teenage experience to me because i think many of us can relate to being that age and putting all of your self-worth in being found by others as attractive yeah no 100 percent, and i definitely think that 
that comes into play. And I don't think that these, um, this whole beauty thing, I don't think helps. I honestly think that is like a really harsh thing to put Mia through. And I'm not particularly cool with the whole makeover scene, despite it being a very large part of many coming of age movies, particularly 90s, early 2000s era. Um, Yeah. Think Clueless. This is a sidebar, but at some point, they mentioned that Genovia has 50,000 people, but they also, at another point in the last section, mentioned that it's a mile long. And that math, my friends, does not pan out. Like, I get that, like, they're trying to, like, make it the size of, like, New York City, only smaller, I guess. Um, but that's, that's just too many people for that square space. No, yeah, like, I did the math, and that would make the popula- population density considerably denser than New York City. That's so dense, and that's, like, not safe. No, and that's not how Genovia's... Particularly right now, but not safe. <laughs> no, it isn't. And, like, Genovia is not a s- one big city. That's not what it is. It's a whole country. Yeah, and they have, like countryside and like tourism i don't think that it's supposed to be city-ish also like if it's a mile long how much of that mile is just the like queen's palace (laughs) 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 i want to know that (laughs) what if it's one mile long one way and then like 200 miles long the other way just one very very narrow long strip good point good point I also think it's really harsh to put Mia into this um, situation that she's in. Um, she's being asked to make an agreement to be the heir and run a country at 14. Um, that is big stakes for someone that young. That's a lot. It's a lot to put it someone really through is. that young. And um, it's just, it's too much. Agreed. I just don't think that they should be asking her to do such, like, a big thing at such a young age. Like, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life at 18. How am I? I can't figure out what I want to do with my life at 24. What am I supposed to do at 18 or 14? Like, how am I supposed to agree this to this big commitment at that young of an age? And it very much feels like she's not really getting a choice in the matter, which I understand that she's the only heir and such, but... She's being thrown into a pretty wild yeah, thing. It's a very big situation for a very young person to go into. Okay. All right. Ready for this week's behind the scenes info? Behind the scenes with Carter. I don't know. I was making up a theme song. I hope you like it. Um, so I want to talk about how Disney ties into the Princess Diaries. Last week, we kind of questioned a little bit, like, how The Princess Diaries was published so fast and picked up as a movie so fast and released so fast and how all of that happened. So when the book was published by HarperCollins, they agreed to publish it in 1999. And at the almost exact same time, her agent for her literary agent was actually optioning the film rights as well for the movie. Um, because the agent really believed that this was going to be a big hit. It needed to be a movie. Like, this was going to be best in both formats. So she, um, so the movie was optioned right after the book was, right after HarperCollins picked up the book to publish. So the fact that they 
occurred so like wow. simultaneously one after the other the book was published and then a couple months later the movie was released wasn't because of the success of the book it was because of her agent yeah that was very cool yeah actually it's like a kick-ass agent like go her yeah really put her faith into these books <laughs> like meg had someone on her side um <laughs> It wasn't that Meg hadn't been writing for a while. She had been writing under pseudonyms, as we talked about last week. But they 100% put a lot of faith into this particular book series. And I think that's, like, super interesting. And, like, that was probably, like, a huge moment for Meg. Like, this was probably, like, the peak of – not peak of her career. Because, obviously, it's still going on. And she writes thousands and thousands of words a year. Um (laughs) that are published regularly um but I want to say like that this probably was like a just a very big moment for her this was when things kind of took off for her yeah yeah and it was all because of Disney and you know what also another princess that was in the princess diaries was who Mandy Moore she was in the movie um (laughs) do you remember the scene on the beach do you know what I'm talking about yeah where she sings Stupid Cupid? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Stupid Cupid. Um, and I'm going to put a clip here. Stupid Cupid, you're a real mean guy. Stupid Cupid, I like it. You can't fly. Stupid Cupid, I am in love and it's a crying shame. Stupid Cupid, I am in love and Stupid Cupid, hey, hey, set me free. Stupid Cupid, stop picking on me. Does she play Lena? Yeah. Yeah, she plays Lena. Um, <laughs> and I just thought that was just a fun Disney crossover because if you didn't know, uh, Mandy Moore plays, um, is the voice of Rapunzel in Tangled. So just another princess, another Disney princess in the Princess nice. Diaries, which is fun. Um, so originally the Princess Diaries was named uh, – the Princess of Tribeca for the movie, um, but then it changed because they changed the location of the filming. Now, I don't know if this was the original name of the book or if this was originally the name of just the movie. Um, it was also optioned for a film because uh, the chairman at the time wanted to reestablish Disney as the brand for live-action family films, which mm. um, they <laughs> tried to do... Um, in this time period what else came out around then um but yeah these are just in some fun facts oh and also fun fact another just really cool fun fact about McCavitt and her relationship with disney is that she was the wrote the original screenplay for the disney movie ice princess which is another of my favorite disney live action movies that came out around that time um with hadley davis and it's just, it kind of has the same style of story as Princess Mia, only with, like, you know, figure skating, that kind of princessy. so. That's so cool. I've never seen this movie, but I love both figure skating and princesses, so we need to change that. It's so good. It's a jam. I love Ice Princess. <laughs> anyway, so that's your behind the scenes for this week. Do, 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 do. Yay. Behind the scenes with Carter. Okay, that's now the theme song. I hope you've enjoyed that. <laughs> Excellent. Princess lessons. Princess lessons. Princess lessons. Princess lessons. Princess lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about princess lessons. Let's talk about princess lessons.
let's talk about princess lessons. Let's go. Yeah. Princess lessons. Teach so. me how to princess. <laughs> Grandmare is here to teach us all how to princess. We love that. So yes. talk a little bit about what happened in the book. So Grandmare takes Mia on a field trip, which she at first thinks is going to be great, and then rapidly turns out to be not great, because she's going to get a princess makeover. True. Yeah. Um, which is where we meet Paolo. Yeah, we meet Paolo, who is an iconic character, both in this book and in the movie. He is very queer-coded. He, um, as I wrote down in my notes, he surpassed the gates of Disney's um, no queer people <laughs> gates. <laughs> and he, he made like, it in. walked on through, actually sautéed on through. Oh, is that sauntered? Sautéed! Sautéed. <laughs> he made some nice mushrooms. <laughs> okay, we're going to keep it as, he walked on through. <laughs> <laughs> So, I know we keep coming back to the movie, but just worth mentioning, this is a very iconic moment in the movie. Um, this is probably the mo- moment everyone remembers when Mia turns from frizzy hair to straight hair, breaks a brush, that kind of thing. Um, in the books, they get they actually kept Paolo, the character, while they didn't keep the dad in the movie. They kept Paolo, which I think says a lot. <laughs> yeah, Paolo's more important. <laughs> Paolo and his gay energy are more important in this movie than the dad. (laughs) (laughs) So we touched on this a little bit before, but like makeover scenes are pretty loaded, huh? Yeah. 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 Um, Though they were like a big thing in the early 2000s coming of age story. Um, And I think acknowledging that yes they were a big thing they still have their issues and they still point out i think a like patriarchal view um blah 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 you can hear more about my issues with makeovers on the extra podcast just kidding there isn't one i will talk about it more if you really want me to um (laughs) but i think it's really (laughs) i am always down for this conversation yes but i think that um it's interesting that a lot of makeover scenes in most media are very much like, oh, this solved all of this person's problems. And Mia is not about this makeover. Mia's not happy with it. Yeah, and it's the and it also kind of sheds this light on the audience that like they're not good enough unless they go to Apollo or have Apollo to make to have the privilege to give them a makeover and look better because you got to put some work in to look better and be acceptable by society, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think it also feeds into, I mean, like, it definitely feeds into Mia's self-esteem issues because she's like, oh, I was not good enough to be a princess already, I guess. Yeah, and it's not, that's not cool. That's not cool. No. That's not cool, Meg. But, like, we also get it. Um, And I think the, like, other view of this is definitely reflected through kind of how Mia perceives it. And how she doesn't take it as, oh, I'm better now, or I look better. It's, oh, I have a little bit more confidence now because I get that society is seeing me better. Um, yeah. And this look feels good because society's seeing me better. And it's kind of not that everything's automatically fixed of Mia, because obviously if not, she's still very bad at algebra, um, <laughs> after all. <laughs> um, but she... You mean straightening your hair doesn't give you math skills? Sadly, no. 
<laughs> I see what I was doing wrong when I was a kid then. <laughs> Me too. She sees the things that are wrong in it and she's not pointing out that things are automatically better because of this makeover, even though that is some of the implications that a makeover scene can have. Yeah. Um, but the fun part about Princess Lessons is because this is such an iconic part of the book and such an iconic part of the movie, uh, Meg Cabot released a book on Princess Lessons. And I came up with a quiz from the beauty section to quiz Maddie and to quiz all of you at home. You can answer as well. Um, on if you think that you can pass Princess Lessons. All right. Let's see. Teach me how to be a princess. All right. Which of these things is not necessary in a princess's bag or principessa is how they type it in the book and that's the way Paulo says it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> we're saying princess here. <laughs> um, at least according to Paulo. Lipstick, concealer, mace, or cab fare? Um, I'm going to say lipstick. Nope, it's mace. So it listed cab fare, which I think is very funny. Um, and then two beauty products. Um, it actually lists... Okay, but like, mace is an important thing to have. Yeah. You can't expect your bodyguard to be there all the time. That's true. I think that princesses should also have mace in their bag. And lipstick is much less important. But I didn't write the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what should a princess do with her body hair? There's no multiple choice. It's a free-to-answer question. I think Paolo thinks that a princess should shave all her body hair off, but I think that that is not true. So this is actually a trick question because Paolo does think she should shave all her body hair off, but not wax, and it goes into this really long tale about how waxes cause burns and stuff. Um, but beside the point, Mia pipes in, in the book, saying that it's a princess's choice, and we stand Mia. <laughs> True. Mia's so right. So, like, not related, but, like, off-topic, I low-key have been thinking about getting some nair, because, like, I've grown out my, like, hair for probably, like, two years, and I was gonna, like, draw star patterns into my leg hair, and, um, quarantine's getting to me, but it sounds really fun, and I could have star pattern, like, like, uh, hairless parts on my legs, and I think that's cool. You're an icon. This is Thank amazing. You. I saw it on TikTok and I really want to do it. <laughs> of course. Anyway. It'll be the first thing on our TikTok. You heard here first. <laughs> All right. Back to um, this tale of... Uh, oh, could you do a crown on your legs? <gasps> okay. Um, I'll put up a poll <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> after this episode airs and we'll see what I'm going to do onto my legs. Um... <laughs> So, God, what is this podcast? Oh, <laughs> uh, back to the quiz. Um, according to Paulo, what three things should a princess's hair be? Uh, name which of these three things? Curled, clean, not in her eyes, not take more than fifteen minutes. I mean, clean is a good thing for your hair to be. Okay, that's one. Not in your eyes. Okay. And not take more than 15 minutes? Yep. Ding, 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 ding. 
That is correct. Okay, but like princesses probably, their hair can probably take quite a long time. They have makeup people and hair people. Yeah, the thing is, uh, they make it, they note in the book that Paulo's like, I have to do your hair, so I don't think it should be more than 15 minutes. <laughs> Paulo just doesn't want to do his job. Paulo's lazy. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, the final question, can a princess wear braces? Yes. So, ding, 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 princesses can wear braces because even princesses deserve straight teeth. Now, Mia did not wear braces, but she does wear a retainer. And that is something I learned in this princess lessons book. Wow, thank you for the bonus content. I love the Princess Diaries Extended Universe. <laughs> I love that we get princess lessons, and so we too can learn how to be princesses. Um, next week, I will go into the etiquette section. Be ready. Awesome. Can't wait. So during her princess lessons, Mia gets some homework. She has to make a list of the top ten inspirational women. Heck yeah, she does. Including Princess Diana, who's a twink. Yeah, that's when we find out that Princess Diana is a twink, the more you know. Wow, I really hope all of these inspirational women are twinks. <laughs> Here's Maddie and Carter's list of top ten inspirational twinks. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie's kidding, top ten inspirational women. I'm sorry if we just called you a twink. <laughs> Here's our top ten list of inspirational women. None of whom are twinks. Oh, that we know of. Like, listen, if you're, if you are one, like, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. Um, my first one on my list is AOC. Um, as we all know, AOC is my representative. If, I guess you won't all know this, but she is my representative. You all know where Carter lives. <laughs> well, now you do. Um, <laughs> and I think she's just a very iconic woman. She really stands for um the green new deal and she really stands for um environmental issues and she also just kind of really stands for people as a whole and i really admire that especially in a politician um i know that there's a lot of issues with politicians right now which we aren't going to go into but aoc is a shining light in that subject and i appreciate her a lot agreed the first person on my list is Sydney McElroy. Sydney is a family doctor who is doing really awesome work. Um, she has a podcast named Sawbones, and she talks about medical history, but she also talks about like current medical myths and dis um, disbunks medical misinformation, which is really awesome and something that we all desperately need right now. Her podcast always makes me feel very calm and like there's someone out there who knows what they're talking about, which is a good thing to feel right now. I agree. So the next person on my list is a little personal. It's Phyllis. Phyllis was a professor I had in college and someone I admired a lot to the point where I uh, would start making jokes of like, what would Phyllis do whenever I was trying to make a decision about my career and my life? Um, and I still definitely go by that mindset. Um, I kind of have this I just look up to her so much 
and she definitely has helped me so much in my career and she's also just like a really amazing person she used to work in nonprofit communications and she worked for a university um every year she goes to mexico for half the year to work at her sister's nonprofit because like she teach for half the year and then the other half of the year she'd go to mexico and work at a nonprofit. which like okay you go phyllis be adventurous um she just she's so cool i just i want to be her when i grow up <laughs> she's everything i want to be that's wonderful she sounds awesome next person on my list is also pretty personal i'm talking about my grandma my grandma was the opposite of Mia's grandmere in truly every way, honestly. Um, she was super warm and fun and caring, and she always made everyone that she knew and loved feel really safe and supported. She is honestly one of the most amazing people I have ever known. She did like a million cool things in her life, with all just with a high school diploma. I don't know if you've ever heard the, and I realize that this is not, true science I don't think but the story that's like oh bumblebees were never meant to fly like their their body to wing ratio they're not supposed to be able to fly but no one told the bumblebee that so they did that so they fly anyway I love that that's really cute yeah well um that's what my grandma always kind of lived by a therapist told her that one time and she was like oh that's me because she only ever had a high school diploma and this is back in the day where you know like women in high school were taught home ec stuff mostly and she ended up being the manager of an electronics factory and everyone I've ever talked to that she was the boss of says that she was the best boss they've ever had she managed a department store at at one point and most impressively in my opinion she raised my mom as a single parent and my mom's amazing so you know she did a great job on that I love Maddie's mom it's true mom we love you you're great you followed the podcast on instagram yesterday i appreciate that <laughs> she did fun so, fact yeah. i didn't tell you this i saw yeah. her follow no i saw i love thank you mom i love I you saw it and i was like ah oh, it's maddie's mom i love her yeah she's great so yeah my grandma is like one of my favorite people ever and i really hope i can be half as great as she was the next person on my list is a historical figure, Nellie Bly. So Nellie Bly lived in the late 18, early 1900s, um, and she was a reporter. She spent a lot of time working um, on exposing like justice and truth in a lot of things, but also being a woman reporter in that time like was rough. Um, because you didn't get the like hard-hitting stories. So she faked being insane was sent to an asylum Hmm. and exposed all of the like issues within the asylum like the way these um people were being treated the there were rats in there there was like unsanitary food things like that um and came out and wrote a story about it and it changed the system and the way it works um so she's kind of badass she also like went around the world um she did the whole one around the world in 80 days thing in a hot air balloon um she's just so badass um she's so adventurous and she was someone i when i was the reason i bring her up is because in the eighth grade i was did like a people of prominence night or whatever and you like dress up as the character and you memorize a speech and you did a bunch of research and then you talk about them and then you we raised money for the food bank and people would go around and put the money in and we were standing like statues and then we'd 
give our speech about this person and then stand like a statue again so people would like learn about all these people yeah anyway i was nelly bly um oh that sounds so cute do you have a picture of this i might (laughs) it would take some digging (laughs) well check for that on our non-existent patreon yeah um one day maybe one day if we ever get a patreon that will be um a perk as a picture of me dressed as nelly bly yes this exclusive (laughs) content look forward to it yes anyway all right next on my list is marcia p johnson and sylvia rivera first i want i wanted to note that both of them identified in tons of ways through their lives and none of them were really the more modern day term of transgender woman but i still felt like it was really important to have them on this list because the work that they did was really groundbreaking for queer history and queer activism in the usa uh so Johnson and Rivera are were New York City drag queens. Johnson was a participant in the Stonewall riots. In the time post Stonewall, they started um, the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR, which was a queer liberation organization. And that organization is still used as like the framework and the model for organizations today, which is amazing. And personally, as someone who wants queer activism to be a major part of my life in the future and currently, um, seeing these people who made the gay rights movement more inclusive to people more than just cis white gay men is really inspiring to me. Yeah, I think that... Honestly, they're so badass. I Agreed. Do I have to put explicit on this podcast because I keep saying badass? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> um, moving on. Um, keeping on the same activism train, my next person, also a little personal, but also a public human-ish, um, is the current director of the Harry Potter Alliance, Katie Bowers. So she is my boss. If you didn't know, I am a volunteer for the Harry Potter Alliance. Um, she is my boss at the Harry Potter Alliance, and she just... Carter, tell us what the HPA is. Oh, yeah. So the HPA, the Harry Potter Alliance, is an international nonprofit that aims to encourage people to take part and be activists through stories like harry potter um that's awesome yeah so right now we're working on a mail campaign to save the united states postal service um we also have team granger going which is a fake election for hermione granger herself um and it's really cool yeah if you want to know more about it or you want to write an article on it let me know because i am the press person so therefore (laughs) Please let me know if you want to write an article on it. Um, or if you just want to know about it, I'll tell you more about it. Um, so, Katie. Back to Katie. Katie is the managing director. She has worked so hard to incorporate her passion for fandom and activism into her life so deeply into being, like, literally the leader of this organization. She works so hard. She's the, like, person that probably works the hardest of anyone I know and she's always constantly doing something constantly busy with this organization and I'm sure it's absolutely exhausting but I look up to how much she has a passion for changing the world and I think that's something that we all should have and we all should be that passionate about I love Katie true Katie's amazing speaking of amazing women the next person on my list is not a single person 
but all of the women in the world fighting against COVID-19 right now. So I looked it up, and according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, nearly 80% of healthcare workers were women, which is like a staggering number. And I wanted to state my appreciation and admiration for all the women working on the front lines of the COVID-19 crisis right now and putting their lives on the line to help others. Yeah! Heck yeah! Go! Go literally all of the women that are working the front line. Like, that is such a deadly job, and we really appreciate it. But, like, not to, like, call you heroes and that kind of stuff because you deserve the safety equipment. You deserve to be safe. This has been my essay. <laughs> yeah. So my last one is a little less um, serious than Maddie's, um, but it's Tabitha Brown. Tabitha Brown is a creator on TikTok. She makes um, all these food videos that are just really happy and inspirational and really like she's like she wants you to like do your own thing and um do what's best for you and talks a lot about self-care and things like that and I don't know I just think it's like the light of my day when I watch her videos she kind of like just warms up my whole life (laughs) right now um and I really appreciate her videos and what she's creating well that's lovely and it's all vegan and all that. Anyway, you all should go watch it. Um, Tabitha Brown. Um, spelled like Tabitha and Brown. Type that in to TikTok and you'll find it. Final person on my list is Hermione Granger. So y'all should go listen to the Harry and the Potter song, Hermione's Army, because it sums up what I'm about to say very well. But like... Hermione did so much for Harry and Ron. Without her, they'd be dead and also flunked out of school, like, a hundred times, right? Yep, only facts. <laughs> also, like, the other thing about Hermione is I've been thinking about how there are millions of people around the world whose first introduction was activism to activism was reading about Hermione, which is, like, incredible. Yeah, I love that. We're a bit of an activist um, crew, if you can't tell. That's all. That's our whole list. We did it. <laughs> Yeah, that was the list. All right, so this was the Cabot Cast. Yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Be sure to follow us at the Cabot Cast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I was told when I say all platforms, it doesn't necessarily incorporate all because we don't have a TikTok or something or whatever. Um, but it's basically all platforms that matter. Um, what other social medias are there? Do we have a LinkedIn? No, we do not have a LinkedIn, and I don't think we need one. <laughs> not with that attitude so next episode we're reading up until the section titled thursday algebra on october 16th that's page 210 in my copy i'm not sure what page it is in my copy but hopefully by the next episode i'll be a little bit more organized and know what page so <laughs> all right bye everyone we'll see you next episode dear diary don't cheat on your test please it's bad bad news bad news bears 